Welcome to the 90s Kid Book Club podcast where we indulge in nostalgia, dust off our favorite books from growing up, and discuss how they shaped a generation. Hey, we're your hosts. I'm Monica. And I'm Amy. And we are not scholars, authors, historians. We're just two 90s kids who love talking about it with each other and now with you. So welcome to 90s Kid Book Club. Hey, girl. Hey. How's it going? You know, I don't really know (laughs) what's going on in this household. (laughs) I told you last week that I was sick Mm -hmm. and I I think I was trying to just like succumb to being tired I guess and just like I guess I felt like if I admitted that I was sick it would get me out of the way like yeah. get it out of the way and yeah I, you had fully embraced just it. Accept it you were yeah. like oh and I'm going to get sick and it's gonna get worse yeah, every day I'm done <laughs> and and I thought I was already there and I thought each day would get worse but I made it I survived through this week and it put me in a complete space of denial oh so now I'm like I'm not sick because I definitely am not sick like Blaine's sick. So I'm like, I'm not sick. <laughs> at least not sick enough to like not be at work or like not do garden stuff, which are really the only things I do during the week. But I definitely am not safe enough to like go out. Yeah. You know what I right. mean? Ex- like, Don't I expose other people, people to that. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm just like... I can't figure out what's going on. Like, yeah. I don't feel 100%, but I'm not as sick as Blaine. So I, I feel comfortable in my space of being mm-hmm. like, I'm not sick. But yeah, just to be safe, we are doing today remote. Yes. <laughs> Hoping that by next week, we're both well. Yeah. And able to be together again. Yeah. Um, Tis the season. It is flu season all the seasons are COVID season. Uh, the kids are back in school. They're passing stuff around. Lily was home one day this week with some mystery 24-hour sickness as well. So, yeah, it's yeah part part of the magic of fall. And I'll have to really be sick to to just stop gardening. Yeah. Stop, like, not go to work. Because I also work remote. So it's like I have a hard time knowing what the boundary is there. Yeah. Of like, how sick do you really have to be to not go I to know. work? Yeah. So I feel like I need to be dying. Um, That's capitalism for you. Like, if you are sick, you should be home and you should not be working and you shouldn't feel any guilt about it. Yet we do. (laughs) Yeah. Yet here I am. (laughs) It's uh, capitalism. So thank you for that. And my boss is so nice, too. She's like, you need time. You need time. And it's like, still doesn't matter. We're still, yeah, we're indoctrinated into capitalism and feel like we have to be working all the time. And if we aren't, then we're deathly ill. And that's just not right. I'm not down for that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm gonna call out tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> no matter how you feel, you're you're taking a day tomorrow. <laughs> one of my, I need a mental health day. <laughs> one of my friends told me that her four year old had a mental health day recently, and I was like, "Preach!" <laughs> like, good, good oh for her. Oh my god, That's no, awesome. it's so. I've told my sister about my niece. I'm like, look, if she ever has a bad day, I'm just gonna pull her out. We're having a mental health day with Auntie Amy. Like, screw it. 
I, I'm living for those days. I hope they come up. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lily's day recently, she stayed. She was actually sick and she stayed in bed the entire day. She only got out three times and that was to use the bathroom all day. Dang. Like I was like, do you want to go downstairs and watch TV? No, I'm just going to lay in bed. Do you want to go get some lunch? No. <laughs> okay. Well. Wow. Wow. She ate lunch in bed. She ate breakfast in bed. She ate snacks in bed. She just laid in bed all day. It was so sad. She hasn't done that since she was a little baby. So that was by no means a mental health day, but she does deserve one. She's been very needy and clingy basically since my dad passed. So we're having a hard time with... change. Yeah. And she wants to be there for me, which is really sweet. She brought him up the other day and then said, are you crying because I brought up Papa? And I was like, no. You bring up Papa whenever you want to. Don't worry about me. I'm not crying. Yeah. I want to hear about him. But she's just exactly. so protective and like aware of how I'm doing and feeling at all times that it's I don't want her to be <laughs> that aware and, and I can see you it, like but... like you want to embrace any type of memories and yeah. things like that. So you're like, please bring it exactly. Up, you know? Yeah. But she, you can you can see she's an empath. She's yeah. Like, like are you okay? My mom. Are you okay? Yeah. yeah. She's a feeler like you are. <laughs> yeah. Like we've talked about all the time. <laughs> well, uh, one of these days this week, I completely binge watched uh, the Goosebumps show that we talked about the yeah. last. I- I started a little bit of it. Okay, I yeah. started a little bit of it. I texted I you and was like, it's I amazing. I made it through the first episode. I, I think because I start things too late. By the time Blaine gets home, it's mm. like 9 o'clock. So I try and put something on at 9 and I'll try and make it through like an hour to stay up till 10. Never. Yeah. By 9.30, I've fallen asleep Oh, on me couch, too. So. Yeah, that's my bedtime. Yeah. For sure. I'm a granny. Well, um... I have not, I was not working this week, so I was able to watch it and completely binge it like within a day. And I absolutely Yay. love it. Um, my niece and nephew watched it apparently recently and they're like five and seven. So I'm a little surprised that they made it through. It's spooky. Ooh. It's a little spooky. It's not like graphic or like curse words or anything. So like it's not not child appropriate, but I think it's PG. Right. And has some pretty scary parts. Like I'm, I'm loving it, but very different than the Goosebumps movie with Jack Black that had come out. Like that one felt, oh yeah, yeah more yeah. like '90s child kids, kids yeah. version. This is definitely more of like an adults kind of reminiscing version. So perfect for us and our listeners. But oh my gosh, we talked about Justin Long last time. We yes, brought yes, up the yes, show. Yes. He is so freaking good. He has so much range. He's one of those, like, underappreciated, like, he's just that guy. Like, you see him in everything, you're just like, oh, yeah, that guy. Like, oh, right, Justin Long. But, man, he's good. He really makes the show. So hang in there. Get through that first episode. You'll be addicted. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and that's something that our listeners can look forward to because uh, next week we will be covering Goosebumps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. We'll have to talk more about our opinions on the show and totally. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that. So yeah, next week for our Halloween episode, it will be released on Halloween. Will be coverage of Goosebumps. So R.L. Stein in general, I've got a Fear Street and a Goosebumps book. I'm gonna try yep. to cover mm-hmm. both. We'll see if I can get to both, but definitely Goosebumps. So look forward to that dropping on Halloween, the day itself. 
Uh, my other recommendation, I know I talked to you a little bit about it, Amy, but for the rest of our listeners, I'm reading a book right now called The September House, and it's yeah. a strange twist on, like, a classic haunted house book, and it it is so scary. I, like, can't read it at night before bed. Like, I had to put it down recently and be like, I'll come back to that another time because this woman lives in a haunted house. It has true, like ghouls and specters and ghosts and they are I don't know if they're trying to get her out or if they're just like mean ghosts I don't know I can't quite figure out what's going on yet but they're not good to her and she's just like determined to stay in this house so she's working around these horrible ghosts and like continues to live there but just makes all these concessions and like works there's like one nice one that like helps make her tea in the morning and helps prep her food and stuff she was so like kind of like casper yeah it's kind of like casper but yeah it sounds like a scarier version yeah but some of it is actually horrifying and she's blocked <laughs> off the basement she's like boarded up literal boards over the basement door and i don't yet know why there's something bad in the basement but she's like as long as i get it blessed by a priest and block this basement door and apparently it's called the september house because every september it gets worse so it's like every ghoul that's ever been there comes back in september i don't yet know why i'm gonna i feel we need to add this book to our list like soon yeah yeah we can (laughs) um it it reminds me a little of um well i don't want to say that i've read one called the mex mexican gothic i think is what it's called but it was also like a haunted house story with a twist um but yeah i've read a few of these recently this one though it's comical like the way that she has to get through her day with these ghosts around and so like nonchalantly talks about them it has such a comical like twist Twist yeah it's just yeah it's it's been funny so part of it's horrifying and then it's like the next scene's so ridiculous it's funny so it's it's a good recommendation especially for the spooky season but i know there's a lot going around now i was telling you there's all these posts about like here's your here's your uh, spooky season reads and it's a list of kind of mystery spooky haunted type of books so thrillers there's yeah Yeah. there's lots out there to kind of get in the mood um our book this week was also getting us in the spooky mood prepared for halloween it is the spooky season because we are covering practical magic cult classic loved by so many absolutely shaped our generation oh my god Oh my god! I was I have so, so excited. things to say. I know. About this I was book. so I excited so to get into I have it. So, so first off, before we get into anything, I've got to know before, like, what what do you remember about this this story? What was your first memory about this story? What do you remember from us being a kid? Let's start there. So I didn't read the book. I frankly didn't know that there was a book for mm-hmm, the movie. Same. That's why I was very excited to read the book. Um, but I watched the movie growing up, was obsessed with it, watched it all the time, have parts of it memorized because we will be yes! covering it for the Patreon. So now that I'm re-watching it for Patreon, I'm realizing like little bits here and there. I'm like, oh, I I knew that. I I knew that. I'm familiar yep. with that. Like I I've memorized those words, but I just haven't seen it in probably ten years. So you kind of forget. It was like that with the Goofy movie. I watched the Goofy movie recently with Lily, oh, and I remember whole <laughs> whole 
lines, lines and every single song. Yes! I was like, oh, I guess yes! I loved this one because I remember everything about it. Um, so that was Practical Magic for me, the movie. Um, I wanted to be them. I was convinced that magic was actually real. Loved everything about it. I have a soft spot for it. So I was in the same boat. I had no idea that it was a book until I actually think it was you who put it on our book list. And I was like, what? That's a book? And so I think we both were just super pumped to read the book. Um, I definitely watched the movie. We've talked about how I loved witches. I love spooky stuff. Always have. Um, Definitely Practical Magic had a part in why I made potions for my dad (laughs) to drink. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um, Definitely played a part. There just one of the most and I'm not going to talk a lot about the movie but the movie was definitely what I knew about the story um, going into the book but one of one of the scenes that I have to mention because it will come up when we discuss the book is the scene where the sisters are making margaritas yeah midnight and margaritas and, and they're dancing yeah. around like the kitchen. Um, lime in the coconut. Put the lime <laughs> in the coconut and mix it all up. Um, so that is super iconic to me. Yeah. It is, yes. And them jumping um, off the roof with the umbrellas yes. at the end. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's what and comes to even, mind for me. Even the, um, the, the, and we'll give a little little summary of the book as well. Um, but even talking about the movie, the relationship between Nicole Kidman and her, mm-hmm. the the guy that they that she kills, mm-hmm. um, her boyfriend. That guy terrified me as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Watching that movie, like that was the scary part to me. That guy was absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, that's yeah, all about the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think he's just as terrifying in the book, but in a much more realistic, grounded way. In general, I think the book is much more grounded. And so that's what I loved about it is it felt the same as what I remembered from the movie, which was like, yes, that's why it's called Practical Magic. And it literally just hit me as we're talking about it. It's the mundane mixed with the magical. And it's that you you get a sense of the realism in the story. But that there's just magic everywhere and involved. But it's not, like, about the magic, necessarily. So one of the notes that I took going through the book um, was that this book really covers almost everything that we've discussed on this podcast so far. It talks about, like, it keeps the magic, which was my big complaint about the Halloween tree, Mm -hmm. keeps the magic, but it also covers the science of things. It covers the matter-of-fact thinking. It covers witches' gardens. They even use the term drip. Yes. In the book. Yes. yes. Did you catch I on wrote to that? a note. Yes, I wrote <laughs> a note. I was like, apparently this was a thing. Or maybe it still is. And I just have never heard it. But We're bringing it back. We're bringing yeah. it back. We are bringing it back. Yes. Um, I noticed that. That was they in the term drip. What? Uh, are you there? God, are you it's me, are Mar- you there, God? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> and then it even has like the science of Jurassic Park. It has the spookiness for our spooky season. It covers death topics. It covers mother daughter relationships, yeah. like we talked about the Giving Tree. It talks about the awkwardness of being a teen, just like perks of being a wallflower. And like, are you is, there, God? 
Yes, yeah. it's a seriously like a, a yeah. collection of everything we've talked about so far. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have to say, it'll. I mean, if you can't tell already, loved the book. Loved it. Loved the book. Loved, loved it. it. Loved every um, second of it. I loved did too. It. it was a great, great, great story. The writing is so easy to yes. follow. Yes. Um, I felt like I could p- pick this book up at any point in my day there there were times like with Jurassic Park I could not do that and it was so hard for me to get through yeah it required that book in the time frame that we were doing it because Mm -hmm. I had to be able to like kind of pick up knowledge it's like being in the mindset of Mm -hmm. studying versus reading yeah this is definitely like an easy um read and I I just loved it I loved the relationship between the sisters Mm -hmm. um the, how the contrast between all of the different women in yeah. this book. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. Did you find at any point that you were identifying with one character <laughs> more than another? I was really interested to see what yeah. you might have I identified am with. Sally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 100% I am Sally. There were so many moments that I was, like, pulling quotes or being like, oh, I identified with her when this happened. And I was finally just like, that's just going to be my general no because <laughs> it's just throughout. I identify as her. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm Sally. <laughs> what about you? Well, I see, here was the thing. Like, when they're explaining at least the difference between Jillian and Sally, it's like they're talking about one still kind of believes in the magic and the mm-hmm. other is very more scientific minded. What they both are doing is kind of running from yeah. their, their upbringing roots. Yeah, their current roots. And um, that is something I can very much identify with. We've talked about on the pod before. I left New England and I ain't ever going back. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it was interesting I don't know. I think I try really hard to keep family rituals, family, a family foundation. It's just not where I had originally had that foundation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I try and keep those roots. You can really see throughout the book that Jillian and Sally both are trying to f- figure out what they're going to pick and choose yeah. from their upbringings. And at first, they're really both starting with they want nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Owens sisters are people that are outcasted in their current environment. And so, of course, they want to leave that. So they leave. And they're really looking for normal lives. They keep talking about that throughout the book, like normal people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they realize they're never really going to have that. <laughs> but it, it it reminds me, as you're saying that, about um, when I was talking about, like, the the brand of feminism that I ascribed to when I was younger, which was like I'm going to reject everything feminine, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's maligned. Uh, I think they kind of took that same approach of like it's caused me pain or there's some stigma associated with this, so I'm just going to completely reject it. And I think yeah. maturing is realizing, like you said, what do you want to pick from it? What do you want to keep? What do you want to get rid of? Yeah, not just completely disregarding a piece yeah getting of rid of all of it or yeah. your history or your past belief system because of other people's mm-hmm. views because it all does have a play in who you are yeah you know even the bad the good the bad the ugly but yeah um yeah that was one 
part that I really identified with, just both of them trying yeah. to run. You know, I've definitely been through a period of that in my life. I and... wondered as we were reading if you identified with Jillian, probably more than me. Uh-huh. But then, but then also with the their do- with the daughters, um, between Kylie and Antonia, mm-hmm. they talk about how um, they really hated each other. Yeah. throughout their upbringing and then there's this moment where they just like wake up and all of a sudden they're like we're gonna be there for each other and we're, they were that's trauma really... bonded a bit yeah but I mean that's honestly the relationship that I have with my sister and mm-hmm. we've talked about it before my sister and I so I feel like I can talk about it on the pod but when we were growing up we did not like each other like we would physically fight mm-hmm. and then as we got older there was a moment where we just kind of bonded and now that's part of our foundation. You know what I mean? Like we each other are part of our foundation. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, so you saw that in the book as well. The, I mean, how would you give a summary of this book? I feel like this book is so unique because there's so many different things you can take from this yeah. book. I did read on Reddit. Uh, there was somebody who said every time I, I read this book every year is what this person was saying. And they said every time they read it, they take away something different based mm-hmm. off of the part of their life that yeah, they're in. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Totally it, makes sense. It contains yeah. a lot of characters. Um, so this book is about the Owens family. The Owens family is a matriarchy. It's all women. Women keep having girls, girl babies. And men, unfortunately, generally come to a bad ending in if they get involved with these Owens women. So for 200 years, the Owens women have been blamed for everything that's gone wrong in their small Massachusetts town. Um, our characters are Jet and... Francis. Francis, who are aunts to Jillian and Sally. So Jillian and Sally come to live with Jet and Francis, their aunts, because their parents have died. So they are being taken care of by these sisters. However, the elderly aunts never really seemed interested in children. They run the household in a very laissez-faire, nonchalant way. They let them stay up late and eat chocolate cake for breakfast and don't ask them to do their homework. No and rules. Basically yeah. no rules. And the girls grow up with kind of a a complex about the fact that they never really wanted children and don't really know how to be a parent. They were living with them, but not necessarily parented by them. And so they were kind of growing up with this, like, we could be gone at any moment. They could decide they don't want us, which I don't think was in the book. In the book, they seemed very loving and doting on them and a little eccentric, but like being a true parent. And I think in the book, it's much more complex and I think I can say that for all of the relationships that you're getting a lot more background Mm -hmm. they're all very complex relationships so as Jillian and Sally grow up they've been made fun of they've been outcast they were taunted and talked about and pointed at by other kids because their aunts are eccentric and then you come to learn they actually do perform magic so people Mm -hmm. generally women come to their back door knocking on their back door at night because they don't want anyone to see each other (laughs) they don't want people to know that they're coming for any spells or hexes or uh, any witchcraft but generally um they're coming to the ants for help with something and 
the girls see the ants help a lot with love spells. Mm-hmm. And so we get pretty early on a lesson about kind of be careful what you ask for, that there's a woman who works at a local, it's kind of like a the old style drugstore, drug ice cream but... shop. Yeah, it's like a little downtown shop. Yeah. Like the vintage yeah. Coke and ice cream and yeah. yeah. So anyways. Um, a corner store. There yeah. There you go. That's basically. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So she comes and says, I need help. I'm sleeping with a married man and I love him so much I need him to love me too. They did a spell. She came back and said, he loves me, but I need him to leave his wife now. He won't leave his wife. So they do another spell. He leaves his wife. They do this spell that works so well that he's now obsessed with her. Won't let her leave his sight. Sits and they, at the counter all day. The aunts warn her of this too. They say, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to do this last spell. It's the most that we can do, but there is no going back. And she's just like, you know, this woman's desperate. And she's just like, yes, absolutely do it. And then you find out that the guy is so in love with her that she can't even breathe without him there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a, like, monkey's paw, like, be careful what you wish for situation. Like, wish master. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, That whole yeah. thing. Yeah. So, that. um, she basically loses weight, looks horrible, is feeling horrible that this guy's obsessed with her and she can't ever get away from him um she kind of falls out of love with him i guess and now she's still got this husband who's obsessed with her so the girls see things like this happening and kind of leave the situation with two different views which is like Jillian is all for it and can't wait to be in love and continues to fall in love over and over and over again throughout her life. Mm-hmm. But Sally is very much like, oh, I would never want that to happen to me. Like, I hate seeing these women. They look so pathetic. I would never want to be one of those women. And so they kind of live their lives, the rest of their lives, with that foundation of being outsiders really only having each other, feeling like they're kind of not worthy or wanted anywhere, and having these two very different ways of escape, like you said. So Sally leaves and kind of runs away as soon as she's of age and can leave and leaves with this guy. Goes to New York. Which I think she marries. I pieced that together. Yeah? (laughs) That they went from Massachusetts to New York. I I kept like wondering, I was like, where did they go? Like, how far are they? Like, knowing New England and how it's mapped out, I was just like, wait. I know the aunts are in Massachusetts, and mm-hmm. I know they went to New York. Yeah, I, I imagined the whole thing happening in New England somewhere, and then they mentioned New York or Staten Island. I don't know, something. And I was like, whoa, yeah. we're, what? <laughs> we're in New York? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then uh, where... Um, Jillian ends up running away. Mm-hmm. Are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Jillian, Jillian. ends up running away I think I said it Arizona. wrong before. Arizona. But yeah, Jillian runs away. Well, J- I kept doing that throughout the book. Like I kept having which to one? like go back and be like, which sister are we talking about? Which mm-hmm. one is that? Like what is she? Cause, but that's my fault. It has nothing to do with the writing. It has to do with just my ability to comprehend in a short amount of time. <laughs> Yeah. Like I had to do that with the Halloween tree too. I mentioned that on the yeah. pod that I had to like go back and there reread so paragraphs. Many characters. Yeah. Because it's so important to me to like map it all out in my head and mm-hmm. try and 
you know, figure it out. But you don't always have the time to dedicate. So, yeah. So they they kind of escape through different ways. One by marrying, and Sally marries the most normal man. He's mm-hmm. what a farmer. He grows vegetables. He works in the market in town they have two young daughters who really are like recreations of sally and jillian and then jillian runs away and marries multiple women uh sorry men and is just like constantly kind of doing her own thing not checking in with the family not super engaged never wants to go back to the answer massachusetts but she writes Sally like every now and again. Because mm-hmm. Sally did stay back at the aunts for a little while. Because um, the way that Sally's husband ends up dying is the beetle ticking. And the aunts try to do everything that they can to prevent it. And so he was living like with the aunts. Yeah, I think when the girls were time, young, yeah. they were living in a back house or something. So they were still yeah. really involved yeah. with the aunts. And... Yeah, they uh, they hear the the death beetles ticks, which means it's going to end badly for him. There's nothing that they can do. And then when he dies, Sally spirals out, is in a major depressive episode, doesn't mm-hmm. leave bed for basically a year, and doesn't even speak for a year. Yeah. So the ants are taking care of her kids, her girls, while she's literally laying in bed for an entire year and doesn't speak until one day she kind of comes out of it goes on a walk finds her daughters with the ants at a park and sees that a swan was coming towards i don't know which daughter one of her daughters and she yells to intervene and protect her child so really that's what brought her out of this major depressive episode from losing her husband was having to take care of her kids and it took her a year and she had to work through it but she did kind of come out of it and then took the girls away from the ants to live a quote-unquote normal life she tries to be as normal as possible she's a secretary at a high school or something very normal like that and then the girls go on to their schooling their middle school high school and they are much older than in the movie so they're teenagers when we get the majority of this story told so like i said the girls are kind of mirror images of jillian and sally so Mm -hmm. antonia and kylie which i'm sure when this was written kylie was like a normal name new whatever yeah cool cute name nobody thought twice of it (laughs) now with kylie jenner it's like i have very different views of what the name kylie is i'm so happy you mentioned that because when they got to introducing the daughters i was like shit her name kylie Kylie. it just doesn't fit i don't know it doesn't yeah sorry not even sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i had to get past that come at me bruh Um, but Kylie is more of the Sally and Antonia is more of the Jillian character. So, um, throughout the book, all of the women have this magnetism, but especially Jillian Mm -hmm. and Antonia. And so, again, the book's called Practical Magic because there's really not a whole lot of talk about curses and, and spells and um 
like why the women are this way it just is it's just it's spoken about so like casually but it just is and these women in particular have some sort of magnetism that has to be related to magic so it's like every man is in love and boy is in love with these two girls but it's never discussed in any kind of like oh well that's part of her magic or she's been passed down this or what there's no reasoning for it it just is what it is and i love how casually magic is just kind of thrown in and not even talked about in a way that's like oh this is so different it's just their lives and it's normal to them so they just talk about it like it's everyday things i loved throughout the book and i totally agree the the author um alice hoffman who we also follow on our Instagram. So if you're interested in finding her, she's there. Yeah, she's still um, really active. She's... Yes, they just put out like a new edition mm-hmm. of Practical Magic. Um, yeah, and it's had its 25-year anniversary recently, the book and the yeah. movie. The book was published in 93 and the... No, 95? Yes, sorry, 1995 and the movie came out in 98. So 1995, the book was published. So yeah, we're on... So all over the 90s. So yeah, that's been a 25-year anniversary for sure. Eh, Don't ask me to do the math. I know. I was like, are we really? (laughs) We're going to go there? She posted on... Y'all try and get us to do math. It's not happening. We ain't doing it. Here's what I'll tell you. On her Instagram, she mentioned celebrating the 25th anniversary. So let's go with that. Well, and I can tell you... I can tell you. um, Oh, okay. 25th anniversary edition. edition. Awesome. Okay. Um, So we... Yeah, definitely. It's definitely the 25th anniversary. Um, anyways, what was I saying? Oh, um, so Alice Hoffman, the way that she writes it is, it, it doesn't, there's not a lot of emphasis on the magic and the rituals that are happening. It just kind of throws it in there matter, matter of factly. And I loved that. I loved, I love superstition. Mm-hmm. I love, um, like having different things that can combat different things within your life whether it's true or not I just love that idea and there was tons of that in this book they were like if you're if you're a woman's in trouble she should wear blue yeah and like little little things like that you know I just loved that the amount of rosemary oh that book ends with like always have a rosemary bush by your fence line or something like that I have and I you do too. I'm sitting here just like, yes, we're doing this. Yeah. We're totally I, we're doing all of this. So. Which must have lived in my house before we lived here because that's about the only thing that's in my yard <laughs> is a rosemary bush by the back fence. But I started writing those down too because I loved them. Um, there was one that a sparrow came into their house yes. as a sign yeah. that trouble's Three. coming. And it was like once a Three year, Three circles right? means trouble or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So if a bird yeah. gets in your house, it's bad luck. Well, you know how many birds I've had stuck in my freaking screened-in porch? Oh, really? So many. We oh, have I've so many never, bo- bird I've problems at this bird. house. We, I had to put a, a sun catcher up on our living room window because uh-huh. birds kept running into the window. They kept flying into the window and they would die. Oh, And I no. was like, this is a bad omen. But I yes. looked it up. It's actually good luck. Okay. Uh, if you look it up, yeah, it actually is like a symbol of like something bad dying in your life. Okay. It's so like rebirth. It's very rare. Yeah. It's very rare in um, 
in the, I don't even know how to describe that, those types of beliefs right now, but it's very rare to find that like death actually means a bad thing. Yeah. It usually means like change is coming. Huh. It's not as bad as you, as like death, you know, it doesn't mean you're yeah. going to die or somebody else like is going to die. The death card in tarot is actually. It means change. A, a really yeah. good card to pull. Yeah, yeah. It's like hope and change mm-hmm. come, is coming and something is shifting. Like hang on. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like everything you've done is about to come to, you know, fruition. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> when we were in uh, New Orleans for your bachelorette party, it was the first real tarot card reading I had done by yeah. like a professional. That was my and first she too. pulled the death card for me. Everyone was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to die. I was like, no, no, no. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I needed this. This is what I want. This is this is good. Meanwhile, my lady was like a crackhead. So. <laughs> I, had I had the best one. And I remember she gave me a CD of the session. And I remember throwing it away because I was like, I don't want to ever listen to that again because I got what I needed from it. And I don't want to revisit it and be like, oh, that was a crock of shit. Yeah, but yeah. I found it recently in my bookshelf, so I guess I never actually got rid of it. I don't know if I just changed yeah. my mind, but like thought I threw it away. I don't know. So I I might re-listen to it at some point. My lady was funny. She just kept <laughs> prying for problems in my life, and I I was just about to get married. Like I had yeah, a month left to good. get married, less than, and I was like, I don't have any problems. Like I'm, you're like, what about I'm... your your problems with him? And, and she's like, like no. she's like, well, what are you worried about? And I was like nothing she's just like well why are you here type of thing yeah, and I'm basically. just like tell me about my life like yeah. anything yeah it's funny yeah I also had a cd of it I might still have it somewhere we should we should listen to that together and see if any of that yeah um anyways I I wrote down a few others which was the death beetle yeah. A black dog being a sign of something to come a ring around the moon a black dog yeah. You have a black dog. I do have a black dog. <laughs> um, to, they had a scene where they crossed their fingers when they lied, which I think everyone's aware of. Yeah. Wearing blue yeah. for protection. If a candle burns blue, then there's a spirit in the house. Oh, Ooh, yes. Okay, so when that was brought up, I there's lots of times when I'm reading, my mind will just go into other directions, but I'm still reading through the material, so yeah. then I have to go back and reread the paragraph, go figure. So um, when it got to the blue flame part, I was like, ooh, Monica and I should make a candle that like halfway through it, there's something on the wick that makes it burn blue. Oh my gosh. You know, wouldn't that be so cool? <laughs> wouldn't that be so cool? <sighs> I don't know how we'd do that. We gotta, yeah. don't steal our idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's officially patented, copywritten. It's uh, out in the world. It's ours. You gotta join the book club to get it. Yeah. Join the <laughs> Patreon. We'll, we'll send you a candle. <laughs> There, the last one that I wrote, and this one was so bizarre, I hadn't heard anything like this, which was, if you feel like there's a spell put on you to unravel the spell, you make the sign of a fox with your hand, which oh, I yeah, think is like... Oh, yeah, but they said like, the fox was this. Yeah. To me, that's like the Texas bull. Or like, you know, like devil horns. Or devil horns. Right? Or it's, it's also I love you without the thumb, to yeah. try and give a visual for our um, listeners. Yeah. It's I love you without the thumb. So it's Which just your does index look and like pinky a fox. I guess so, but I swear this is like bull. This is like <laughs> this is a bull. This is a bull. Well, apparently it will unravel a spell. Yeah, those were really cool. I loved I loved all the little hidden pieces of magic. Again, um just one of my complaints about the Halloween tree. It and I the way I wrote it my in my notes was it keeps the magic unlike Halloween trees 
narration. Because really, like, the Halloween tree at its root kept some of the magic alive. Yeah. It was the narrator that just, like, ruined it all, you know? (laughs) And the beauty about this book is it's written in a third-person narration, and it will literally switch even within a single paragraph whose point of view we're coming from, which was amazing. I I did not realize how much I loved this until I read it. And then I was like, I only want to read books in this third person narration now, because you get the mindset of everyone, not just one person. And it can switch whoever's like talking or leading that scene. You're totally in their head. And then it'll just like switch to someone else's head. Yes. Yes. And the other thing that I loved about like the format of this book is it's, it's not written in chapter format. So there's no, it, you know, most of the time when you're reading a book, characters will swap depending on chapters. This book swaps like just by paragraph. Yeah. So it, it was super cool. It's broken up into kind of like four parts. I believe it is might be, yeah, I think it's four parts. Um, but the way that that formatting was was really really cool i i enjoyed that it was just different we've been reading a lot of chapter books per yeah. se mm-hmm. um so it was really cool to have a different format yeah and i will say um talking about preference in books if a book is written from multiple perspectives and one chapter is someone's perspective and the mm-hmm. next chapter is someone else's i automatically hate it i hate it yeah just yeah, give me this third flop. person, omnipresent, all-knowing narrator who yes. can tell me both sides. Coming at it and then you having to be like, wait, who's talking right? Wait, where are we right now? I also yeah. dislike when it's it does that same thing but for time periods. So it's like this chapter is in this time period and then this chapter we're going right. to go back. And so you're telling multiple right. stories. I just don't like it. I don't know why, but I have a hard time with those. So this did it perfectly. The story pretty much went in sequential order uh in the timeline and then we had this kind of third person showing us what each person's perspective was throughout the entire thing so i think we got a, a a better view of the ideation that was happening the emotions that were happening how each person was feeling at any moment and not having to kind of flip flop between people mm-hmm so we're 70% into the book before the actual big kind of storyline happens. And all of it happens in the last like 40 pages of the book. I know. Um, and I got to, I had already read the day that I finished this book. I had already read, I don't know, I want to say like 60 to 80 pages that day. And so I was like waiting for a good stopping point mm-hmm. and it just kept going. And I was like, nope, we're finishing the book today. Yep, like this is, this is what's happening. <laughs> Yeah. So, and and I guess when I say the big plot point that it's not, it's not the big plot point when you consider that this is a book about relationships and about history and about finding your way in the world, but it is kind of the big crescendo of the storyline, yeah. Yeah. which is that um, 70% through Jillian comes to Sally's house. After being gone. Remember, we, we, we've been gone. Just years. to pick the listeners back up. We kind of diverted. But they've been separated for years. They're keeping in touch barely by letter. Like, it sounds like a rare letter here and there. Um, And then all of a sudden, Jillian shows up at Sally's house. 
and right she's driving a station wagon and in the back of the station wagon oldsmobile is her boyfriend the terrifying character (laughs) that scared amy same same character jimmy in the book uh but she has killed him supposedly and the method that she believes that she killed him really had me thinking about you because she used nightshade yeah, and Belladonna. a lot about like poisonous plants yeah, and things like that. Yes. And so I was sitting there and I thought I that was super fitting. I thought I that was know. really cool. I, yes. I'm telling you, I this so book too. has freaking everything. everything. The way they describe the, the aunt's house with the wood that never needs to be polished. Mm-hmm. I was sitting and they're talking trash about it throughout the entire book. And I'm sitting there like, I want that. Yeah, I want that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And then they're, it's like, yeah, they have this, they all have these massive gardens and all these women come to look at the, the lilacs at Sally's house, yes. you know, with her garden. And I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. I love it. Everything about it. It was amazing. I know. It was I know. amazing. If that could be my life, minus Jim jimmy being buried in my garden (laughs) yeah so basically yeah that's how they take care of it is they bury jimmy under the lilac bushes and from then on the lilac bushes go crazy so they're growing in seasons it shouldn't be growing in two or three times as big as it should and then and giving off this aroma throughout like the entire town that's drawing in these women we find out later that it has to do with jimmy's ghost yeah his spirit is still there so which was weird... really cool how they found that out too. yeah how it was one of the daughters it was kylie right mm-hmm. that keeps seeing him I yeah saw him I so they all it. kind of sensed and knew that something wasn't right things were out of place weird things were happening um but kylie actually saw a ghost this man standing underneath the lilacs so we find out We've got shit to deal with. He's not gone. He's still there in the garden. And then a, I don't know, what was his title? Sheriff shows up? Uh, he is a general attorney. Remember, general... he works for, He works for the general attorney's office of Arizona or something. But he was some sort of police officer, investigator, sheriff, something. Yeah. Well, he was investigating the, yeah, he was investigating the missing case of Jimmy. Because. Well, Jimmy, because Jimmy had killed some kids because he gave them LSD that was not LSD Mm -hmm. and it killed three kids. Yeah. Um, And then he's looking for him and and that's when Jillian finds out. And that's when Jillian finds out that Jimmy actually was a liar and everything he ever said to her was pretty much bullshit. Of course. Yeah. But she didn't realize, you know, to the extent. She knew he was like a wife beater and an abusive drunk. She knew that. But that was the moment that she was able to really piece things together. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think she was still in love with him for a lot of the book, even though he was awful. I think she had to get Mm -hmm. past being in love with him to actually like hear and see the evidence that he was a piece of shit yeah Yeah. and so she ends up falling for this local guy who's amazing and so good to her and she's resistant because she's like terrible things happen to the guys in my in my life (laughs) and in the lives of all the owens women um but he he wins her over they fall for each other that again feels like a spell or something 
but it's just again like the practical magic that's just kind of everywhere and they have this magnetism towards each other um and when she falls in love with him and is able to truly get over jimmy i think then she's in a place that she can really hear those things and again this is happening like way at the end of the book that we find out the truth he told her that he had killed two kids on accident then we find out it probably wasn't even by accident he was giving these kids on purpose the wrong drugs saying they were spoiled brats and yeah like they took too much it's on them yeah when really he gave them some sort of chemicals and killed three kids so the the sheriff person is looking for uh jimmy and then of course jimmy's ring that he was known for he had this like iconic ring um a toad brings it yeah. to, to like Kylie, right? It's Kylie yeah. that finds it. And it, a, a toad, toad comes the into garden. the house. And there's so much emphasis on toads. Yes. I need to find out like the, what the various meanings are of toads. I need to find out. I don't know if it's just like a northeastern wet coastal town Oh, I got to tell you a story you know? <laughs> about that. I got to tell you a story about that. When I was learning to drive in New Hampshire – my mom had, uh, you know, she's in the car with me, and it had just started to rain. It had, it had been raining all day. It's starting to slow down. My mom's like, all right, let's take a drive around the neighborhood because I'm learning to drive. So we get in the car, driving down the road. I'm not even out of the neighborhood because we lived, like, on this little wetland area. And so I'm driving past the wetlands, and, of course, all these, like, toads and frogs are coming into the road and uh so I end up trying to dodge the frogs and toads that are coming into the road and I'm like yelling like screaming in the car like (laughs) no no and my mom's like just drive and it's like if I drove straight I was just gonna be crushing all these these toads and so yeah I committed like mass murder on all these frogs and toads that were in the middle of the road as I was learning to drive it must be made me think of the yeah, it must be a northeastern thing. Well, I do get quite a few toads and frogs in the garden down here, but no, I, I also don't. have a creek that is yeah. uh, right behind my fence line. So I think it's a water thing. Also, it like near- the garden is the place for them. Of yeah, course, they're right. there. They right. love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I love them. They can eat all the bugs. Have them all. Have them and they're all, so cute. Please. <laughs> yeah. Um. Where were we in the story? So, um, so the toad shows up and spits out the ring yeah. in front of Kylie. And Kylie's like, I don't even know what this ring is at this point. Like, she doesn't know And just sets Jenny. it down. Yeah. Just sets it in yeah. their kitchen to be found later by the sheriff after they've lied, saying they don't know where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to that magnetism with these Owens women, when Sally first sees the sheriff... She it was like basically love at first sight. She was like, I don't know what it is about him. I cannot and lie she's like, to can't him. Can't lie to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, he's too good. And it's like you know nothing about him. But it was this magic of like he she found her twin flame or something. Like they just connected instantly, and he felt it, and she felt it, and he knew that she was lying to him, and she knew she couldn't lie to him, and it was a interesting interaction. I totally identified with Jillian though. <laughs> when Sally's like, I can't lie to him. I can't lie to him. Um, he ends up leaving. The sheriff, you know, asks a few questions. He doesn't buy the answers that they've given. Mm-hmm. He knows that they're lying. 
Sally is really just like trying to hold it together and it's like, don't barely look doing so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like barely keeping it together. And so he ends up leaving and he says the motel that he's at, the hideaway motel. Mm-hmm. And uh Sally then decides that she's going to go see him at the motel and she's going to go tell him everything. And she's going to figure it out from there. And Jillian's like, do not do that. We're going to end up in jail. Like, I totally would be Jillian in that situation. I'd be like, oh, we're (laughs) fucked. No, you're going to be, I'm holding you hostage here. You're not going to talk to the fucking police. Um... And, and I, I would be like, was... it's the right thing to do. It'll exactly, work out eventually. Exactly, I could so see that. You'd be like, it'll be fine, Amy. They have sandwiches in jail. <laughs> it'll be okay. I'll send you blankets. <laughs> that was so funny, though. Um, I could totally see that. But I also thought it was hilarious how the representation of love throughout the entire book it's very much like this very strong infatuation. Yeah. Um, and they even mention it with uh, Jillian and Sally's biological parents. Right. And how they die. They talk about their death and how they ended up with the aunts. Mm-hmm. And the death was that they were so in love with each other, they didn't even realize their resort was on fire. Yeah. Like where they were vacationing, they didn't even mm-hmm. realize it was on fire. So they give the impression that the parents died in this fire because they were so in love with each other I know and you just that's kind of the theme throughout just the weight of love in this book is so heavy I know and at times very very toxic um I always like to I like to throw out the toxicity of I know and I don't in all our books I don't always agree (laughs) but in this case absolutely you're right and none of the none of the love in this book is sustained like we don't Mm -hmm. see a relationship last a long time all of these relationships are like hot and fiery and then end quickly yeah so it would be interesting i know that um the author has written a total of four books in this series so uh, one or two of them are set as kind of a prequel before all of this happened but i think one of them is set after so i would be interested to read that and see did any of these relationships last I want to see Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock come back for the after story. Oh my god! Now that they're older, you know, like they're older in real life, come back and do it. We we got the Hocus Pocus two. Your Practical Magic two cannot suck as bad as the second Hocus Pocus did. So let's just see it. Let's do it. (laughs) We'll we'll have to to message the author on Instagram. Let her know we've got an idea. I'm sure you haven't thought about it yet. (laughs) Yeah, you. I know you haven't because you wrote the whole book. But (laughs) novel idea. We've got a novel idea here. Uh, speaking of how we've mentioned before, like no ideas are original anymore. I know. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, well, then his boot starts coming up through. So going back to Jimmy in the garden, his boot starts coming up through the ground. And by then, no secrets can be hidden. Everything comes to light. Your past is always going to come back and get you. Everyone's now aware. All the daughters in the house, Jillian and Sally, it can't be denied. There is a freaking man buried in the garden. So what do we do now? The only thing that we know how to do, which is call the ants. So this is when the ants finally make a reappearance. They're surprisingly absent. Um, I was expecting them to be more involved in the book, but they raised the girls at the beginning. And then the whole story was really about them kind of rebelling against and running from their history and then at the end of the book they have to call the ants to fix this situation they don't know what else to do realize that their history is really the only way they're going to make it out of this yeah 
that they have to rely on what they've been running from the entire yeah. time to get out of this. I thought that was really like I related to that port portion mm-hmm. of it. Um, Definitely not that. Yeah, yeah. It and was. it made me so sad that Jillian was terrified to see the ants again because she had run away when she was really young and never communicated yeah. with them since and had built up this whole story about how they hated her and she, they would never want her there and she yeah. doesn't want them to see her and it was all a story in her head like they loved her yeah, unconditionally and it they were so proud to see who she had become and how her experiences were visible on her but that it didn't mm-hmm. make her any less beautiful and it it makes me think of aging um yeah for sure this book had some themes about aging and you and i have Mm -hmm. very unique views on aging which is i don't think either of us are really scared to age like i fully embrace all of my wrinkles and i'm not i can't wait to be fully gray hair i know scary witch of the neighborhood i cannot wait yeah i think it's a privilege and it's an honor to grow older and it should be seen that way instead of at least in the u.s it's like terrifying for people to look their age on that note um i saw something on tiktok recently when i was just scrolling through tiktok videos and it was talking about uh, somebody was like talking about being 33 and having back problems which i mean of course like we all feel more sore as we age but somebody commented on it and was like since when is your 30s old and i sat there and i was thinking the same thing i'm like well I guess since Kylie Kardashian. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the amount of fillers and lip injections and these fake-ass eyebrows that are out now, and it's just like, yeah, I, I just feel like most people look best in whatever, like, is natural to them. Mm -hmm. Not all cases, Mm -hmm. but I think in most cases, like... Your natural well, hair color, your natural hair texture, your... Makeup is supposed to be something that accentuates your natural features. Yeah, like enhances so it's your what natural you already have. features. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And makeup's... Don't get me wrong. Makeup's fun. I love playing with makeup. I, do I love crazy sure. makeup looks. But when you day-to-day are hiding yourself or ashamed of who you are and not trying to enhance your own beauty, I feel like that's when it's kind of crossing a line, in my opinion. I don't even yeah. know how we got on this topic. I was just thinking the same thing. How the fuck did this happen? <laughs> like, Back I feel up. Passionately, Back up. <laughs> I feel passionately about this, but I don't really know how we got here. So let's bring it on back to the story. Um, they call their aunts. And the aunts come and help them create this brew. So they have to brew it for in a giant pot. They have to brew. And of course, Sally doesn't have a cauldron. So they use just like a giant soup pot. Yeah. Again, it's like the mundane mixed with the magic here and they brew this giant potion and they get to play games together and a big storm's coming so the lights are out but they have candles all around them and they're playing games together waiting for this potion to brew and this potion is going to just disintegrate every piece of well you find out later it's lie yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i thought that was hilarious to find just like she just threw that in a sentence. She's just like, the lie starts eating up the ground and the crown gives in and all of that. But she doesn't, it's very just quick. Like it, it, they're talking about the potion the whole time and then you find out it's lie. 
Yeah, another beautiful combination of the mundane and the magical of like, mm-hmm. it is a brew and it is a potion and it is magic, but it's also science and it's legit. <laughs> it makes sense that they're going to destroy all evidence. And in doing that, they do destroy his spirit as well. So I think it's a bit less anticlimactic than, uh, or it's yeah. a bit more anticlimactic than the movie. I think the movie has like, this whole coven of witches that come from the community and help them and in reality it's their own coven of their family you're right yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but it's you know the the daughters um it's jillian and sally and then the aunts who all together uh do this and he's gone they instantly sense it they feel it kylie was the one who was seeing him and says he's gone and we're able to kind of move on from there. And the ending of the book is that they all have some love interest, which I have a yeah. problem with. And this is a book written in the 90s and you do see kind of baked in misogyny. And I mean, it's a feminist book altogether, don't get me wrong. But I think the idea that this book has to end for everyone to be happy is that Kylie has a boyfriend and Antonia has a boyfriend and Jillian and Sally have boyfriends. I mean, just the ants don't, but everyone else has some significant other and that's supposed to be like, and we all wrapped it up and we're all happy again. I had a slight problem with Monica's takeaway is be one of the ants. Don't be a Sally or Jillian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you can be okay without a significant other. And if just one of them had come to that conclusion, like if Jillian, I think it would have been more powerful if Jillian ends the book not falling in love with this local guy, but who was great and good for her and like good, good for her. But if she had come to the conclusion that like, what I've been doing hasn't been healthy and I need to just find a way to be with myself for a while. If yeah. the book had ended that way, I think I would have been more down for it. But it just seemed too buttoned up and perfect and like, well, we don't all need a significant other. So I don't know. Just my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In the book, so, you know, I did mention my favorite scene from the movie is put the lime in the coconut and they're dancing mm-hmm. around the kitchen. The book does not, of course, I know, but what it does, and they're not cover... dancing around the kitchen with no, it. But there is a margarita scene. They are sitting in lawn chairs. Um, Jillian has made two margaritas and says, "Sally, get your ass out of bed." And it's the tequila that brings them to life, you know, and mm-hmm. brings Sally back to life. Of and course. I do still love that part. I yeah. still love that part, like. I feel like you and I both have kind of like brought us up like, you know, you go through parts of life where there's ups and downs. And I feel like both of us have like kind of stayed together through all of those ups and downs throughout life for the past, what, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And it was just something that I felt like I could relate to. Like I would totally show up at your house with like a bottle of tequila and be like, bitch, get out of bed. Yeah. Or I'll join you in bed with the tequila. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Which really is probably what would happen. But Mm -hmm. I just, I loved that. I loved that. Um, All of the relationships are, um, you see their ups and downs, but you see at the end that they all come together. Mm -hmm. I definitely, I agree with you. I think that ending the book where everybody was in love doesn't even fall in line with the story at all. 
Um, there was always one of, you know, they're supposed to, the daughters are supposed to be reflections of Jillian and Sally. So you would think at least one of them has that, you know, Sally, by the time she had her one husband and then she kind of took her wicked long break from relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like with all of them ending up in love, it doesn't really go in line with the story, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I guess one of the sisters is going to have their first love and then, or one of the daughters is going to have their first love and then, then something bad will probably happen maybe in the next one. Or the point is that they've, worked past this like unwritten Hmm. like hex on them that that something had to go bad and now they can all be happy maybe but it's also never story so we don't know yeah you know and we do need to read it but i mean it's never explicitly said that there was like a hex on the family or anything, but I mm-hmm. think it's working through the generational trauma and processing it and moving forward. So it's kind of identity, like it's embodied in them kind yeah. of moving forward and trusting in love. And I don't know. That's how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is I, how it ends. <laughs> I did write one quote down. Uh, so you talked about how this book kind of embodies a lot of the other themes we've been discussing throughout our entire podcast. And one quote was, I got what I thought I deserved in love. Mm-hmm. And this was when Jillian was talking yeah. about her past and what she's accepted for herself. And uh, that's almost exactly what was said in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Like, we accept the love that we think we deserve. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, such a good book. Highly recommend. Um, and we'll definitely be diving more into the movie on Patreon. Yeah. And I will be, in the meantime, uh, implementing all the different pieces of magic <laughs> from this book into my house because I already do I mean I already have these weird superstitions within my house anyways so yeah they mentioned putting yeah. stones on each windowsill you do that I've got it I've got yeah. that mm-hmm. even the um it, it gave me lots of garden ideas because mm-hmm. it talked about the blue stones yeah walkway, and I'm like oh yes. I want that I want that. I know I had a hard time imagining that because I thought they were like glowing blue stones at first and then I realized it was just more of like a natural blue hue to the stones I think we need to read more garden magic books so I can yeah. have like a whole practical magic garden mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah just to, and it'll be a 90s book club a 90s kid book club practical magic garden <laughs> it's like everything we've read in one garden <laughs> Except all the horrible drama of perks of being a wallflower. There's lots yeah. of bad things there. And not mm-hmm. my garden. <laughs> um, I was at a friend's house last night and I sent you a picture, but she had Yay! a in that moment I swear we were infinite wine glass and I was telling yes. her about my thoughts on the book and she was like, Oh my gosh, I need to get you a different wine glass and topped me off and then poured it in this in that moment, I swear we were infinite. It was perfect. Glass, it, was perfect. it made me very happy. Um, okay, so I think that wraps it up for the perks of being a... Sorry. It definitely wraps it up for perks. <laughs> that wraps it up for practical magic. Um, 
Okay, so we always try to wrap up our episodes with a cringe 90s story. And although I thought I had tapped myself out, apparently I have more. (laughs) It never ends. (laughs) I am a well of cringe. Um, I thought about this one recently. I, I have a bunch of photo albums that I was going through. And one was a picture of me with my intense kindergarten bangs which i've now posted to instagram but i had bangs for most of by the way i had the same thing oh of course too i'm gonna find a picture and i'll i'll follow up your post with it of course thick bangs in the 90s Ooh, it was on point and it still is kids will still have a bang in this day and age but i think there's a lot less of it and it's so hard to grow out it was such a commitment once you start growing it out during the pandemic a lot of people, because, you know, all the hair Cut salons were closed down, they were cutting their own bangs and uh, butchering it, butchering uh, it. But I still, to this day, love those videos. I love seeing when people cut them just like, oh my gosh, and, short, they and then they're like, up. no. Yeah. Because oh. I can relate. I've had bad hair days, I promise you. Did you ever cut your own hair? Have we talked about this? Did um, you cut your hair I, when you were little? So my sister did the real cutting of her hair she cut a mullet into her hair the day before like a family photo oh no um so my mom was just (laughs) running around like crazy like how do we save this um the only time I cut my hair was I had I had bangs when I had bangs I had this little piece that was along the side of my bangs that I felt like was too long Mm -hmm. like it didn't line up with the rest of it so I tried to cut it to line up with the rest of my bangs mm-hmm. and when I cut it I cut it way up so way I had too short. I, I have a picture of it and I will find it I will find it I promise okay. you guys <laughs> but it is a rectangle that is oh, missing no! from my bangs because oh, I cut it like yuck. right on the side of my face on the side of my forehead um, and you just have to so let no. that grow out you can't fix that oh it was awful are you freaking yeah. kidding me um so yeah I did do that but the worst hair thing that I did was my I when I moved to Turkey my senior year of high school to live with my dad. Everybody in Turkey has like dark hair, dark eyes. They you know they have this beautiful tan skin. I am like pasty, freaking white, blonde, and blue eyed. And so I wanted to kind of fit in. I didn't want to stand out as much. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna dye my hair darker. And so my girlfriend Allie and I went downtown and we picked up a box dye kit and we got the like darkest color ever it was like black and we went home and we put it in my hair but we only got one box and I had too much hair for the box oh no and so yeah the black (laughs) definitely took to my blonde hair but only in spots so I had to go to school the next day with cheetah hair like the underneath was orange like because there wasn't enough dye for it to really take so I had spots of orange and it it was awful. And I ended up having to go to another hairdresser to get the dye taken out of my mm-hmm. hair and they couldn't get it all out and it ended up turning green. And I left it like that for probably a year until I came back to the States. And then I was like, okay, I'll get it fixed. But I didn't. Yeesh. Nope. Nope. Yeesh. Nope. That's nope. bad. I mean, box dye is just a no, period. Just don't do it. Just no one should do it. I don't even it. dye my hair anymore. I've been trying to get rid of all of it. I'm like, no, no I one think should I've do got box dye. The tiniest bit left. It's like four inches left mm-hmm. of blonde dye that I need to get cut out. And then the rest of it is my natural, and we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Too many horror stories about box dye. It does not cost that much to go and get your hair done. 
I only go like every six months. Like just pick something Same. that's low maintenance. Don't use box dye. I look back at old photos and I used to box dye blonde in high school and college. Uh -huh. And some of the colors, ooh, they are way too bright. <laughs> They're the wrong color. Like I needed professionals to intervene. And I mean, luckily I pulled it off because I was young and cute, but not something I could pull off now. That's for sure. <laughs> My issue is like now, because I always did blonde highlights. That was always my thing. Like for my whole life, I did blonde highlights, never did anything else. Maybe some low lights here or there when I wanted it darker in the winter, but that was it. That was what I did my whole life. Now that I've grown all the dye out of my hair finally, well, we're really close. I go, I flip-flop between, I don't want to dye my hair ever again. But I also want like these colors that'll never work. Like I want to dye my hair that silver gray that's mm -hmm. in trend now. Mm -hmm. It's like I could never keep up with that. It would look yeah. horrible when it grows out, but I want it. You've thought about red and that's also notoriously hard I to maintain. I want burgundy, like deep, deep, yeah. deep. But hard also to maintain. like pretty vibrant. I straight up talked to my hairstylist the last time I went. It was a couple weeks ago about going red. And yeah. I knew I was grieving and it was probably a bad decision. <laughs> I needed to put more thought into it. And then she knew I was grieving and was like, you know, this is really hard to maintain. You only come like every six months. You're going to have to come a lot more. And I decided not to, thank goodness, because now yeah. weeks later I'm like, oh, that would have been a bad decision. Yes. Oh, <laughs> it's like doing I your hate. hair after a breakup, doing your hair while grieving. Maybe just don't. Just keep it out well, as for a while. Now that I'm older, I'm having a hard time with activities that involve sitting still for a while. So like I would have a whole lot more tattoos if it didn't mean <laughs> sitting still for four hours. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, yeah. I don't know if it's like I'm just ADHD. I don't know what the fuck it is, but I can't sit still that long. I can't even sit still through a longer than 90 minute movie. I legit look at the length of movies before I start them because I'm like, I know if it's 93 minutes. Nope. Can't do it. Can't do it. That three minutes will really so get that's you. That's why horror movies work out for me because they're usually shorter. Yeah. <laughs> No movie should be more than 90 minutes ever, though. I don't know what this trend is of, like, three-hour movies. That's yeah insane. Don't do that to people. No. Do not Avatar do that to people. and Titanic did that shit. Get out of here. James I rewatched Rose Red, the, um, God, Stephen not Earl Yes. Why do I always miss <laughs> Stephen King. The yes. Stephen King movie, which was mm -hmm. two or three three VHS tapes when I watched it in like is that middle school. Than Ro that's different than Rosemary's Baby, right? Yeah. That's also Rose Stephen Red King. is okay. a haunted okay. house story that he wrote okay. and like a group of psychics go into the haunted house because they think it's dead and they want to reawaken it, but then they actually Ooh. do and shit goes down. Um, but I watched it a couple times when I was younger and loved it. And so I rewatched it this like, I was going to call it holiday season. <laughs> But it is. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. Keep season. that. No, that holiday season. I like that. Keep that. <laughs> and I have vivid memories of putting in the wrong tape to begin with. And each one of the sections or like tapes that it was on, because it is cut into three sections. I guess it was made for TV. And then the VHSs yes. had the three different sections on it. Each one starts new because it's like not going to exactly pick up where the other one left off because right. it's a made for tv thing they want to like wrap you up and kind of like reintroduce anyways i put in the wrong vhs and just thought it was very difficult to follow <laughs> and seriously watched it from like that vhs on and then when it was time to switch to the next vhs i was like 
oh my gosh, I didn't even watch the first one. I was literally just like figuring stuff out as it went along and none of it was piecing together. And I'm like, I feel like I'm missing some history here. Yeah, I was. I put in the wrong (laughs) VHS. Um, But they all kind of start with this like um, voiceover and like bringing you back into the scene type of thing. And so I thought that was just the beginning. Anyways, I started my cringe story, and we've now gone on four different oh, I'm stories. Sorry. Well, Jesus, my ADD, I'm <laughs> telling you, man. Jesus. This Thank one's God we have you to rails. keep us on track. <laughs> <laughs> we've gone off the rails a few times. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, okay, so my cringe story is that I was in Girl Scouts, and I was so, so shy that I couldn't really participate in much. Like, I tried to do a dance class, and I wouldn't leave my mom's side, so I couldn't do the mm-hmm. dance class. Mm-hmm. I did Girl Scouts, but I didn't really make friends in it. Like, I managed to go every week and stay silent and, like, not connect with anyone, which is just sad that I was like that, but it is what it is. Um, so we had a party through Girl Scouts that was Beanie Baby themed because it's the Ooh. 90s. Of course, yeah. we have a Beanie Baby themed party where all the Girl Scout troops from like the whole region came together. So we're talking like maybe Ooh. 100 kids, a lot of kids. A lot of came pressure together. for Monica. Yeah, already <laughs> the social anxiety is off the scale. And yeah. then my mom and brother were coming with me, so they were kind of like engaged in the whole theme and each girl was supposed to bring their favorite TY Beanie Baby. And then you had to go up in front of all the Girl Scouts and tell everyone what the Beanie Baby's name was when it was born. Because you remember it had like their birth date on the Beanie Baby? Yes, yes. So what's their name and what's their birth date and like what do you like about it or whatever. And I remember they had like a chart where they were charting like who's the most favorite, who brought the penguin, who brought the duck, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know why my mom let me do this. I don't know if I was just so persistent or if she didn't realize, but I brought a non-TY little figure that like looked like a Beanie Baby, but it wasn't a Beanie Baby. And so they got to me and my worst fear, I'm having to stand up in front of all these people. My social anxiety is off the freaking scale. And then I have to explain to them, it's not really a Beanie Baby. I just brought this little alligator with me. I died I have vivid like I my soul died that day because I have vivid memories of it and I'm still so embarrassed for myself that like I should have at least switched with my mom or my brother they each brought one like I should have realized halfway through like what I brought is not appropriate let me use my brothers or something you know they didn't make a new category for you on their I'm sure they did just write it on the bottom like random alligator one vote random alligator oh god like who brings a non-ty just stuffed animal to a beanie baby party like it's in the name of it well you know you were being creative you're being creative that's all use your imagination i I have always kind of marched to the beat of my own drum so i was like well this one's my favorite if you're asking yeah random alligator is my favorite sorry (laughs) that's so cute that's so cute so um apparently i'm just an endless wealth of cringe stories but if you want yours read on the podcast of course you can send it to us on any socials or email it to us at 90skidbookclub at gmail.com uh and where is it that they can find us amy 
you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Threads, and again at our Gmail. Um, we are also on Patreon. You can check us out there for all of our movie and media renditions of the material we cover on the pod. Do um, it. And uh, yeah. So I guess uh, that wraps it up for this week. We will see you next Tuesday. And TTYL. Goodbye. Bye.